Welcome to the GT Reboot Gaming Trends Podcast for all preview and review discussion. We have a great show for you this week. The developers behind Journey tease their next game. Titanfall 2 is favored by critics, but not necessarily by consumers. And I finally get my hands dirty with Mike's favorite game of the year, Battlefield 1. We're so excited you've decided to join us this week, so let's boot up. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Gaming Trend Reboot Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Pierce, joined by my partner in crime, Joey DeClara. Hi, Mike. Hey, Joey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a great day for video game news. Real yes, big news is. coming out. No, it's not true. Yeah, and <laughs> today, <laughs> today on the news, uh, Microsoft announces they're getting into the VR game. Titanfall sales pretty much suck. And Journey developer, that game company, has teased a new game. So without further ado, let's get into the news. Oh man, we're going in cold, man. One, two, three, get into the news. You don't want to get it? No, let's, that's, let's not. No, let's that's not totally cold, fine, man. Oh. Let's talk about the Cubs. Let's talk about the Cubs. The Cubs won, man. We, uh, we are animate baseball fans here, both diehard Cubs fans. And, yes, and here at Gaming Trend, that's the only, the only sport we follow besides uh, Dota. Stuff yes. like that. Dota. Know. We got Dota, Hearthstone, Chess, and the Cubs. Cubs chess? games exclusively. No, I don't know. <laughs> we, we follow chess. Stuff happens in chess, right? There's grandmasters oh, and stuff. Yeah, that was some there was some like uh where, where was she from? Was she American? An American female chess champion. They're having some championship in Iran this year. Uh-huh. And she refused to go because uh, the Iranians were making all the women wear hijabs, and so she refused to participate. Oh, word. Yeah, I would yeah. I would too. I don't like those. I've never had to wear one before. Why would I do that? <laughs> why would, but why why would, would I do it then? One? Yeah, just to play chess? Get out of here. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just... The only reason why I bring up the Cubs is obviously because it's huge that, like, you know... How often? Imagine, Mike, if you were playing Battlefield for a hundred and eight years, and you were dedicated to playing this, and you lose every single year the main match at the very end of the year. How incredible would it be if you, on your one hundred eighth year, you you win, you finally win your match? You'd that feel, is pretty cool. You'd feel pretty fantastic, I bet. It's interesting though, because at what point does it become? You know, does it become no longer that big of a deal? How much longer it lasts for? You know, so I didn't say that very well, but I mean, <laughs> is there a big difference between 25 years and 50 years or 50 years and 70 years? Or is it, does it, does it get progressively worse until you hit 70? Yeah. And then after that, it's all the same because at that point, you know, you could have had people that were born and actually died and the Cubs just sucked their entire and lives. So it was the status quo. Win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so I always, like, I, I always wonder, like my, you know, it, it sucks for someone who just went their whole life being a Cubs fan and they never saw them win the World Series. You know, that is, right. that's like outrageous. But then as much as that sucks, eventually you just get to this point where a couple of generations of people have lived and gone through life and never saw it. And so you see these 20 year olds and 30 year olds winning uh, the World Series this year. And it's like, oh, I mean, it's great that this is the first time your team is winning, but it's not because it was 108 years. 
because they weren't there for the 108 years, you know? Right, right. But I mean, at the same time, you know, it just gives it that that drama to it. Like, I rooted for the Cubs because I knew they had 108 years, whereas Cleveland only had, what, 60-something years. So it's like, all right, well, the Cubs have more years on them. They're both absurd how long they haven't won, but I just, I guess 108 years is worse. So that was the one yeah, I it is. for. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I remember... You know, I don't follow baseball at all, but, uh, you know, the Seahawks, they became a team in the 70s, I think, so mm-hmm. before I was born, and um, they had never won anything until two years ago, you know, never, and we, we got to the Super Bowl once before and lost it yeah. against, you know, cheating Ben Roethlisberger and the and the, uh, the striped shirts, Oof. Um, but... Uh, that yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road <laughs> that's, because that's I, fine, I'm fine. still salty about that. Uh, oh man! Even after winning the Super Bowl. Oh damn! All right, but, so let's get into the news. Uh, besides, let's do it. Let's do video games. You know, the games that really matter. So big news of this week, probably the biggest news, is Microsoft getting into the virtual reality, uh, the virtual reality market, and um, they did that at a Windows 10 event just earlier this week. And they actually announced that they're going to be... They didn't really say if they're building a new line, but it's they indicated it's going to be through their partners, like mm. Dell, Lenovo, Asus, HP, and Acer. Um, yeah. And they're only going to start at $300. So I'm wondering if that means there's going to be multiple models. Or, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's not a whole lot of information out right now. But, yeah, um, so I, yeah, I'm vague on the information as well. I didn't watch the event when they announced and unveiled these headsets for their partnerships. I put you're right. It is through uh, multiple partners. It's not specifically, I don't think, a Microsoft home-built headset. Uh, it's through Dell and other partners. And yeah, they're going to be... What's cool is like they're, they're very different from the headsets we have right now. Uh, for one, most of our headsets require tracking, uh, exterior tracking say the PlayStation VR, PSVR needs the PlayStation camera. Uh, right. The Oculus has a little camera that comes with uh, that sits on desktop or whatever. And then you have the Vive, which is a room scale headset, and it requires two sensor towers that go up in your room. And uh, while that's great and provides really good tracking, especially for the Vive, uh, these headsets are apparently are going to have their own tracking system within the camera. And I don't know how that works, uh, but it's able to sense where you're at uh, within a space without any exterior sensors. So you could be technically or ostensibly on your laptop if you have something that's powerful enough to run VR. Uh, I don't know if that even exists on laptops, but you can be on your laptop or on the go with some computer and just be sitting there, and you don't have to set up these towers. You could just link right to your PC. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. And then the price point is pretty interesting, because right now the main thing that stopped this from being mainstream, among many other things, is the price barrier, right? Oculus came out and cost $600, and that blew a lot of people away. Uh, Vive came out $800, and then PSVR is, while the most affordable, with air quotes, it's pretty expensive at $400, really $500 with all the equipment you need. Plus you have to have a brain, which is either a computer or a PlayStation. So $300 is uh, pretty exciting. And I'm interested to see now with these new types of technologies where VR goes and if this is the start of it declining to be 
Well, uh, become, becoming more mainstream, getting into that area. Right. And it's a, it's an interesting thing here because it's like, it's, it's still quite mysterious at this point. They haven't released any specs on anything. So we have no idea what the performance requirements are going to be or what the performance of the VR itself will be. Um, they didn't even indicate if it's going to be on Xbox or not. And my, mm-hmm. my guess is, my guess is if it will be included with an Xbox or not included, but if it will be, um, if it can be attached to an Xbox, yeah, they're going to wait until, is it the Scorpio? Is the Scorpio the high performance Xbox yeah, upgrade? They're calling it Project Scorpio, yeah. Right. It. My guess is that they will wait to release uh, this stuff for Xbox until Scorpio comes out because oh, I don't okay. think that this is going to run on a regular Xbox. I mean, I guess it could, but I don't know. I don't. I don't see it working that well. Um, mm-hmm. But the other interesting thing, and and I can't substantiate this at all, but I'm wondering if they're using some of the technology that they developed for the HoloLens to allow these VR headsets to sense what you're doing without these exterior accessories that you're talking about, like the camera for the PS4 and and all this other stuff. I'm wondering if, you know, during the development of the HoloLens, which is extremely expensive, I think it's still around $3,000 or something like that. Yeah, geez. Um, I'm wondering if during the development of that, they were able to you know, take some of the knowledge gained there and put it into this. Mm. And that's how they've been able to get rid of these, these, uh, I guess you just call them extra accessories. Yeah. Yeah. And, like the, uh, these and, exteriors trackers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause with the, if I, I mean, I've never used a hollow lens before, but if I understand it correctly, you just stand there and it, I mean, obviously it does have some sort of exterior tracking device, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just, this is all just seems to me just taking a wild stab in the dark. I guess. Yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean that's a, a lot of what VR talk is generally. You know, unless you know the tech, um, most of the most of the events that you see, like the Oculus presentation uh, that came out, that was a that happened recently, or the Microsoft presentation, it's mostly still that early adopter period where people who are excited and talking about these things are all tech geeks and people who know what's going on people much smarter than us who know what it means to get tracking inside the headset instead of outside of it and right. uh what it what is actually allowing that to happen you know i'm sure we could read it up and actually know all this stuff but like you know right now we're just looking at it and seeing what's coming our way soon and that's exciting honestly for me it's just exciting to get er- everything out of the way you know like it, say the wires and the stupid playstation vr unit that processing unit and uh a camera and all these things you know right now it is this early adopter period where you really have to want to have this thing despite its flaws despite its clunkiness and it's not at all ready for the mainstream um this is moving towards that clearly uh i wonder what like the final product of what the iPhone will be, you know, like this is, I, I've heard the analogy over and over that this is the Palm pilot stage for <laughs> VR and we're moving towards the iPhone. Like someone has to come out with the iPhone, the thing that everyone can get a handle on. Everyone understands just by looking at it, you know, something that is uh, ready for mainstream and works great and looks great. Um, 
And yeah, what's going to happen to the headphone jacks on the VR headsets? Yeah, so. yeah you know, we'll we'll get there. I mean, first, <laughs> first Steve Jobs, not to be rude or morbid, but first Steve Jobs has to either leave or pass away, and then someone has to take it up and ruin everything. So, but talk. <laughs> moving on from that, um, as far as Xbox, you mentioned uh, running this. I'm sure, yeah, Xbox One current won't run VR. As far as I can tell, um, unless they attach some kind of processing unit like the PlayStation does. And maybe that doesn't add horsepower to it. I'm right. Sure it that's does, what though. I think, too. But yeah, I mean, that's something what that they're looking into. That's their plan for Project Scorpio. I'm looking at one of the articles I had written at some point earlier. And um, I forget when this was happening, but during one of the uh, convention weekends, Engadget had an interview with... What was his name? Aaron Greenberg, uh, Microsoft's head of Xbox Games Marketing. Uh, and Gadget had this interview with him. And they were asking about 4K gaming and, you know, the Scorpio, if things are going to be exclusive to Scorpio. Because that was the whole thing with this uh, mid-generation upgrade. That people were worried that, like, well, look, something has to... They were saying, no, nothing is exclusive. And people were saying, well, there's something or else there would be no upgrade. Like, there would be no difference between them and there would be no point. Uh, one thing they said, uh, well, Greenberg said was VR is probably going to be exclusive. And he wrote it off he, as uh, saying, quote, we don't think of the VR space as console gaming. We think of that as high fidelity VR. And so with the VR experiences, those will be new things that you will get on Project Scorpio. So I think, yeah, you're right that these headsets are coming out and they're getting ready for Project Scorpio. And I think, yeah, th there will be something for the Xbox because uh, unless they backpedal yeah. on that because they see vr going downhill and so far that's not what i see at least yeah i i mean i i just don't see with the performance of the xbox i mean i love my xbox but it's everyone it's no secret now that the xbox is lower performance than the ps4 sure and if the psvr already has i think what is generally considered to be the lowest performance of all of the vrs out there mm -hmm. then you know it stands to reason that unless this Microsoft VR coming out is going to be absolute garbage, like even worse than the PS VR. Mm -hmm. Then why would Microsoft even bother to release it on the current Xbox One? Right. It just it just doesn't make any sense. So I think it's it's pretty safe at this point to assume if you want it to run on an Xbox, you're going to have to wait until the Scorpio comes out. But yeah, potentially if they release it before that, uh, you know, then then you could just do it on your PC. But I don't really know if they would want to do two separate releases, and my gut says that they wouldn't. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm 90%, so. 99% sure that, yeah, you're getting VR on Project Scorpio. They're, they've said it. You're not getting that on Xbox One uh, standard. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it's, uh, but it's exciting. You know, I, I want to see more VR. Uh, I love having the PSVR, you know, so I'm glad that it, right now the the plan is full speed ahead, right? People are coming out with headsets and then they come out with new headsets with new upgrades to it, to getting less shit out of the box, you know, less like wires and less need for tether. Uh, we're coming out with some stuff. Like a lot of people are saying standalone headsets. is going to be a thing. The HoloLens is standalone, right? has its own computing power. Google right, right. was saying it was going to, I, I'm not very savvy with uh, what's going on with Google, but they had announced that they were working on their own standalone headset, uh, or there were rumors of it, I'm not sure. But that's another direction that people are moving towards. And I think that's the right move. 
I, I, I want to see VR do well. You know, PSVR was fun. I played all the cool demos and all the games and I love it. And it's the novelty of VR is awesome. And I'm ready for PlayStation to come out with more games. Uh, maybe like next year when they come out with something really substantial. Uh, but really, I want to see VR upgrade now. Now, like, I don't know if I would buy a Vive right now, right? I, I want right. to see it get to the next level, and that's I think, clearly where I they're going. I think that it will. Yeah, I, I think I think we're both on the same page there. I think it's just on a, it's on an upwards progression track right now, and we just have to sort of wait for just the technology to develop itself a little bit. And like as we've talked about before, the you know the less wiring and the less sort of anchoring if you will the more lucrative it's going to be and the further the price goes down the more mainstream it's becoming and then the more mainstream it gets the more developers are going to start making things for it and it's just a you know one thing after another process at this point yeah right and i think they're going about it the right way because i always talk about 3d 3d tvs as being the worst example of a way to roll out some sort of lucrative new technology. I mean, forget the fact that it was pretty much a gimmick and crap anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you can just dispense with that for a minute, just for the sake of speaking, hypothetically, the way that they rolled it out was awful because it pretty much just said, all right, every new model TV is going to have 3d on it. And no one wanted that shit. And no one wanted to pay the extra for it. People didn't want to have to buy $20 sets of glasses and have six of them in their room or whatever. You know, and all this other stuff. And it just kind of rammed it down everyone's throat and no one wanted it. And guess what? It's pretty much going away now. So I think the way hardware developers are doing VR is a lot better. They're doing it sort of slowly and not pushing it on people. And it's it's going to be it's going to be huge. A couple more years. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's absolutely what you said is right. You know, much better than, you know, forcing it on people, just like so many other things, 3D TV being one, Uh, the Xbox One Connect being another, you know, something no one wanted to actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like so many (laughs) of these peripherals that like were forced on people. Like that's not the way to do it, especially when you're not sure if that's actually what people want. You know, we, this, this VR thing, this was supposed to be, not supposed to be, but a lot of people are saying this is the year of VR because everything came out uh, for consumers. But it's still an earlier adopter period, and they're still allowing themselves the time and the resources to get their feelers out and figure out what works and keep funding it for more uh, cool tech. And uh, also AR is happening on the down low uh, with things like Magic Leap and, and HoloLens. And th- that's cool that like we're we're taking our time and people are funding it, which is just so cool that like big companies are excited to fund it without any real promise, although it's totally promising, of getting that money back. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's how you do it. That's how you push it forward, and it's for obvious reasons. You know, this VR is the way. Like it, it clearly looks like the way forward for just new new form of entertainment. You know, not a replace. It's not going to supplant. T- screens it's just going to be a new one and that's awesome right so yeah very excited yeah so let's talk about titanfall shall we let's do it yes have you played or, titanfall, me, titanfall 2 uh no i still have not it's okay. like i'm just too i'm one of those people who does not uh like i own a lot of games you're, you're one of those I, people I, you're, you i saw your hand I, I wanted you to say i'm one of those people who does not Cease to play Battlefield. I just always well, right. play Battlefield. <laughs> that's that's definitely part of it. Yeah. yeah. I usually like, I would say at a given time, I have three to four games that I play and that's it. And I don't, 
progress past those very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so right I mean, now, that's a I'm lot. Playing... That's pretty crazy. You know, three or four at a time. It's pretty. It's, it's well, pretty laborious. But it's generally. This is getting really complicated. It's three or four, <laughs> but it's usually just two of those three or four. Yeah, yeah. And then the other three or four will be like occasional. If I'm bored with one and two, I might switch to three or four. <laughs> okay. But generally, it's just one and two. And that can last for months, like sure. six, seven months, even a year oh, sometimes. Wow. So okay. like yeah. Battlefield 1, I'm going to be playing that nonstop at least a couple of days a week for i bet you a year minimum probably probably until the next battlefield comes out more than likely which is what i did with the last like three battlefields yeah, yeah. or even four battlefields sure and i play total war warhammer and outside okay. of that there's like one or two others okay so i just haven't made time for it yet man yeah sure that's fair but i mean uh i i played the uh pre-alpha tech test and it was cool. We had talked about it at length. I'm excited. I I had ordered it recently uh, off Amazon. Uh, I'm getting it for Xbox One. I normally get my stuff on PS4, but I just got the Elite controller recently. And oh, that nice. Is a, that is a sweet little uh, doodad to play is with. Is it really a step up? Because I still have the standard. Is it yeah, really no, a step absolutely. up from a normal? It's cl- very clear. Uh, it's mostly just satisfying you know it's like very satisfying to hold it's got a great grip on it uh you know it's got this matte finish on the top and rubber grips on the bottom of the handles uh the triggers feel really sweet it's got a lot of um metal components to it i don't know what they are but uh it's great also the sticks you can move the sticks but i haven't changed the configuration like you can take the right stick off or whatever and change it up i haven't done that except um I use the paddles every now and then for like bumper jumper, uh, which is pretty cool. Like those added paddles at the back, but mostly the same. And the sticks just feel very smooth when you like circle on the edge of it. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into the weeds of describing it, but it's great. It's a really, really sweet controller. Uh, Do you feel like was there a was there a um, I can't think of the word, but what? Uh, did it impact your your gaming performance at all for a short period of time while you're no, trying to no, get used to I, it? You know, I won't. Oh no, like it, it's not bad. Except for one thing that the analog sticks are really heavy. So when you flick it and you let it go, the momentum of it flipping back to perfect center actually it, it kind of has a little uh, feedback. It where kicks it, it even it further. Kicks like even it further kicks to the left. Even, oh, yeah, so it'll flick. Like if I flick it to the right and let go, it'll flick quickly to the left. So. If you're going like, if you're bringing up your weapon wheel or whatever, right? And like, say in Dishonored, I was playing Dishonored, and if you bring up your weapon wheel or your abilities wheel, you use right stick to choose on the wheel what ability you're going to use. And then when I do the quick flick, it'll go down to the knife that I want or whatever, and it'll go up and it'll pick some random ability by mistake when I snap out of it. So that was a little weird. You have to kind of adjust with that. Other than that, it's a great controller. Uh, mm. If you're, okay. if you're looking for a sweet, sweet controller, that's the one to have. It's great for yeah, having I'll check it PC out. if you ever use, you know, controller for PC. But anyway, we, we got so far off topic. Uh, Titanfall two was a great game. Was a great experience uh, jumping in. I'm excited to play it single player here. A lot of great things, but apparently it's not doing too well in sales. Right. So there's a great quote here from one of the game producers by a guy named Drew McCoy. And this was actually uh, done when he was speaking to PlayStation Lifestyle. And um, he was speaking in reference to the game's release date. <laughs> and 
And it's a really strange quote, and it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense um, when you look when you look at like when you look at the history of video pl- games. Yeah, <laughs> when you look at yeah, what, what a mark any sort of like marketing strategist would say that this is ridiculous, but it's a bit of a long quote. But um, part of it right here, probably the most important part, is he says, "quote When you care about what other games are doing when they're releasing, you worry. At the end of the day." We're releasing a game that we're happy with and we enjoy playing, that we're proud of. As long as we're doing that, I think we're going to find an audience. And then he goes on to say, it really doesn't matter when it comes out. A good game gets noticed. Like, okay, sure, man. I mean, yeah, it's a great, great, it's a fantastic game. And it probably does stand on its own. And maybe it's better than Battlefield 1. Maybe it's better than Call of Duty. Maybe it's better than every shooter this year. But when you smash it and sandwich it, in between the two biggest blockbusters of the entire year, both of which have a much larger following mm. than Titanfall, what do you expect? I mean, like, it would have to be... It would have to be more than just a great game to be able to fight that kind of pressure. It would have to be... I don't know. I mean, it would have to be, like, industry-changing. It would have to be a complete breakthrough game to be able to overcome those massive sales hurdles of of Battlefield 1 and and Call of Duty, not mm. to mention other stuff like Gears of War 4 and, and Dishonored 2 is coming out. and Yeah. You know, so it's just, I don't know what this dude, I mean, I guess from an artist's perspective, which is essentially where he's coming from, that's probably the way they rationalize it in their head and that's the way they want it to work. Yeah, yeah. I they mean- want to think like, this game is amazing, I love it, and it's going to sell because I know it's fantastic and that's it. Yeah, it's a very um, artistic and like uh it's a very romanticized idea that yeah, you where people are going to love this game because it's great. You know, it's a good game. We put our life heart and soul into it and people will recognize that. Uh right. but that's very clearly not true. Uh regardless of how good your game is, right now it's critically acclaimed. A lot of people love Titanfall too. Right. Uh people either love or like the single player, which is one of the biggest aspects of this game because the first one didn't have a single player it's multi-platform which was kind of a big deal because the last one wasn't so everyone's happy about it but it's not selling so very clearly that's not true you know and (laughs) maybe he i don't know he's probably saying it for pr purposes right he has to he has to show a strong front when he's talking and he's under pressure with other published well well with not with other published with media and he's talking to playstation lifestyle it's like look we'll we'll find an audience it'll be great we're not concerned uh but you know like it it's even though it's obvious i i like picking at people's silly pr quotes because while we know they're saying it because they have to say something for pr it's important to note that look what these people are saying doesn't make sense you know we were talking about bethesda last week and how weak their argument was that, oh, we want everyone to play the game at the same time, so that's why we're not giving out early review codes. But that's so obviously not true, because they're promoting the game by giving it to YouTubers and Twitch streamers, so clearly right. they don't care about that. So, look, PR quotes are fine, you know, you have to do it, I guess, but it's so silly and uh, transparent that why even bother? Why even bother saying anything like that? What I find um, yeah. really interesting about it is that EA is behind both Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1. Yeah, so uh, what were and they thinking? 
right like you would i mean it's it's only the biggest publisher in the world and you would you know if anybody's got the marketing experts and the status or the statistics and the know-how to make a better decision it would be ea but it doesn't yeah. appear that they've that they've bothered to actually listen to anyone yeah if in fact people were telling them not to do it i don't know if they were or not but it just seems like a silly decision yeah all around I yeah mean, yeah i agree and like for all we know mccoy begged them to change it right like he says right. what did he say he said i just know i don't actually know why the decision for the game release date was came where it came from i just know it was locked in a long time ago and there was no changing it there is easily always changing a date i, right. I don't know i mean i don't know <laughs> right. you know i am not at ea i don't know what the stipulations were of that uh release date and not delaying it but i mean you gotta delay that bitch you know i just pardon my french but you gotta that's they they sent that game out there to die against a highly anticipated video game that ea also released like it, it was a bonehead move you know right you, you put it right up against your own great game don't ever do that that's very silly and there's always changing that there's always coming back from that just delay titanfall there's no and reason even, to do it it's even more funny because it was uh it was just this just earlier this week and i don't remember who it was but um uh mass effect is an ea produced game as yeah. well and they were just quoted someone within ea was just quoted this week as saying you know yeah, well, if Mass Effect Andromeda isn't good, we're going to delay it even further past uh, January or whatever it is now. And yeah, I mean, you mean if it in, isn't ready, in, is that what they meant? Like, yeah. right? Yeah, in that sense, he's talking about the actual quality of the game. Like, if they don't judge that it's ready for release, then they won't they won't stick to their date. They'll push it out. And yeah, I mean, okay, that makes sense, and that's not necessarily a completely pertinent example here. But the idea is, if you can delay it for quality reasons there's absolutely even less of a reason why you couldn't delay it for yep. a game that is already completely ready to go and is a great game. And you're only delaying it so that it actually sells better and so that it stands on its own and it gains more of a following, you know? I mean, yeah. it's not just like a short-term sales decision. It's a long-term sales decision because if it gets buried, then you're not going to pick up the uh, the sort of occult following in the community that you want to maintain the game going into the future. So yeah, like it's a not franchise. Just yeah, like this this exactly. Titanfall might be done now. You know, the franchise might be dead. Like the first game did okay, but it was a uh, platform exclusive, and now right. this game isn't doing as well. Like we, I think we kind of went over that, but like basically, basically Titanfall two is not doing well, and uh, I heard something that, well, just paraphrasing, but in the UK. Titanfall sales were a quarter of that of Titanfall one in its in the same time span. Oh that my has god, that's so terrible! That's oh wow, yeah, and that's just in the UK, I think. But that is crazy, you know. Especially it's platform agnostic now. You know, it's it's on multiple platforms, and it's critically acclaimed. People love this game, so it's it's very clear why this happened. And for other games to do the same, for other reasons, like say, you know, quality, like you said, you know, you mentioned South Park's, uh, South, not Stick of Truth, South Park uh, Fractured But Whole was uh, delayed out into the next year. And it's very clear because like you said, it's to get out of the way of all these other games like Final Fantasy XV got delayed into later of the year and so did uh, uh, what's it called? The Last Guardian which may not be such a big deal but you know, get out of the way. You know, there's no reason to not get out of the way, especially when you're making the money 
You know, your EA was making that money off of Battlefield. So get out of your own way. You know? Right. Yeah, and the other thing is too, I mean, like you were saying, you know, Titanfall one did very badly and and even though it was a decent game, um, and they they really got lampooned a lot for not having a uh a campaign mm-hmm. and, you know, not quite enough multiplayer content, but still charging full price for game and, and all this other stuff. And so it, to me it's like, well, okay, if you've if you've redone the game and you put in a single player and it's supposed to be better in every way, then I mean, you're, and so you're, you're basically, you're trying to clear the name of the game. You're trying to, you know, like you're, you're trying to vastly improve its reputation. Um, and to do that, you, you need the space. You need to be on your own so that everyone can discover it. And it isn't, you know, covered by the shadow of other big games. And, yeah, yeah. And I just feel like they, <laughs> I feel like they really, there's no other way to say it. They fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. They, That's they re- just, yeah, they, they totally, it's a total blunder this time around. So that's pretty outrageous that they, you know, PR quotes are PR quotes. You're just going to cover, you're going to save face when you have to. But, you know, think of something better, man. Right. Maybe you should have just said, sorry, guys, we fucked up. Maybe Look, you I, yeah, that. you can't, I guess you can't say that either. <laughs> Maybe no comment. I don't know. They're not going to say, uh, like PlayStation Lifestyle isn't going to be like they refuse to comment when they, you know, just just don't say anything i don't know maybe i don't know i don't know don't listen to me but don't say that like it's very it's clearly not true so that's all i have to say on that i don't know don't listen to me is a very common theme here on the (laughs) gtv podcast in case uh in case our fans i feel like i said that that last like every week regularly now so on to our last news story of the day uh journey developer that game company i love that name by the way yes I, like, <laughs> almost good I'm almost as good as from software from, right from who from what yeah <laughs> that game company from software yeah. uh anyway they teased a new game today and and i'm just gonna come right out and say i really don't know a whole lot about it so this one this was all yours joe this is your wheelhouse yeah i mean so there's not anyone else really knows about much of anything and that's why it's a teaser unfortunately but you know that's it's something to get excited over uh so that game company tweeted out some photos it was of uh this uh image of like a a a deus and like a uh, an archway on top of a hilltop and it's very pretty and it's uh you know whatever it's a it looks like a screenshot from a video game and then two other shots of um a candle like some kind of graphic like of a candle lighting yeah, another looking, candle right, and then some yeah, kids yeah. and then another graphic of some kids holding hands and that doesn't really matter what matters is that these guys are finally soon probably able ready to talk about their next game which is exciting to me because i love that game company uh so i'm wondering mike have you ever played any of the games from that game company being uh, For- flower and journey which are both uh playstation exclusives no, I don't. I've never, you know, I've never owned a, a PlayStation in my life. Oh, man. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that sure is. That's rough. Journey is a good reason to have PlayStation. Uh, even though it's not necessarily worth a $400 investment, it was a very, very cool experience. If anyone hasn't played Journey before, it's a very excellent, very incre- um, visceral, I hate that word, but visceral experience. Um, wherein you're 
seamlessly matched up with other players and you don't really have a lot of communication with them. You don't see like a matchmaking symbol. You don't see their name or their gamer tag. You don't see, or their PSN name, whatever you want to call it. And you only communicate them through like little chirps that your character makes by just pressing a button. It was one of the most incredible video game experiences I've ever had. And uh, Flower was also similar, though not multiplayer game. This game's going to also be multiplayer. And I'm excited for that. Um, But this is going to be a multi-platform game, as they confirmed years ago after Journey's success. Uh, They're no longer making PlayStation-exclusive games. And judging by the images shown, uh, they're in somewhat portrait mode. uh, Portrait... Uh, yeah, portrait mode. I don't know what to call it, but they're they're in portrait as opposed to landscape. Uh, so that makes me think that maybe this is a mobile game. Uh, I doubt that because they make pretty, very pretty games. Right. Although they might be able to run on mobile, I'm not sure. But I wonder how you feel just about mobile platform in general. Uh, just coming from this, like a a, a hardcore, not hardcore. It's, it sounds weird calling Journey. Journey developer, a hardcore developer, because that's like hardcore, you know, shooting guns and that, but coming from a highly regarded video game developer going to mobile, what would you feel about that? And how do you feel, Mike, about uh, the mobile platform in general? Um, well, I don't know. I, I guess I would need to look at some stats to see on how well mobile gaming does and, and how well... Uh, especially more immersive games do on mobile. I mean, my impression is that most of mobile gaming is just sort of not, I wouldn't say meaningless. Meaningless is maybe too of an extreme word, but, um, you know, games that don't have a lot of substance. There's not like a whole lot of plot. There's not a whole lot of character. There's not a whole lot of immersiveness. It's just sort of, you know, like Candy Crush and all these other things are really mm. popular in mobile games and they don't have any greater meaning you don't build a character you don't explore a world or a land or planets or you know you don't you don't do anything all that immersive and then there's the violent ones you know you can just like like i used to have the c-130 gunship zombie shooter one where you were just supposed to be in this ac-130 gunship and you were just shooting hordes of black zombies coming in and that was that was it like and you didn't do anything else there was no and it was just continuous but Sure, yeah. So I would I would need to see what the stats are, how successful the mobile um, platform is in general, and what the divide between these sort of mindless games and mindful games are. Okay. Um, I mean, I could tell I you the divide is, like, it's predominantly mindless that's, crap. That but, is, I mean, was my impression plen- of it. While there is plenty of great experiences on mobile, whether immersive, maybe not. I, you know, immersive, I feel like can't happen on mobile because it's a tiny screen in your hand. Right. Uh, and you're distracted by notifications and whatever. But good versus bad, just as far as that goes, while subjective, it's, I'm sure, 90% of people who play games would agree that the mobile platform, it's inundated with crap games, uh, freeware and just awful, right. you know, free to play transactions uh, all over the damn yeah, place. Yeah. 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 A very predatory platform with like all these free to play addictive games, but there are great experiences on mobile. And, uh, I wonder if a social experiment, like a social or multiplayer connection experience is possible on, uh, mobile just through mobile. 
as Journey is. Like, normally the experiences I've ever had that has to do with connection and, like, playing with other people are things where the game exists on the phone and you may not be connecting that through them through the phone. But you could be connecting with them actually in real life, uh, IRL, as the kids would say. Like, say, Pokemon Go. You know, Pokemon I, yeah, Go was, I was the huge phenomenon of this year. I was year just going to get into that, yeah. I mean, yeah, clearly yeah. that's like a demonstration that the mobile genre can be huge and that... And that you can, I mean, like I never really played it other than like once walking around with my brother-in-law because I've never been a Pokemon fan. But um, mm. I, I spent two minutes doing it and I immediately knew this was not the game for me and I would never play sure. it again. Yeah. Um, but if there's one thing that Pokemon Go has demonstrated, it's that mobile games can be unbelievably successful and that they can capture the attention of a massive amount of people if yeah. they're done right. And, um, and I think where from what i understand where pokemon go really succeeded was its engagement from from person to person you know there there was sort of their multiplayer uh engagement and then not only that but getting you up and out of the house and walking around and hanging out with friends like yeah even if you weren't actually battling another person or or doing anything with anybody else i think most people when they went pokemon hunting they were with a buddy you know like Shoulder to shoulder, walking down the street, through a park, whatever, trying to find the Charolarizard or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, Charolarizard, maybe yeah, a Charizard. Whatever, maybe, yeah, I don't yeah. know, whatever the hell it is. But um, so I mean, I think, you let me know when you find some place that spawns Charizards <laughs> on the regular. Okay, I will. I'll, uh, I'll be visiting that pretty quickly. Okay. But yeah, well, I, <laughs> I think there's a lot of potential there. I mean, it's, it's not for me, but I think there is a lot of potential there. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, that's what I was more interested in, like, how you felt about mobile games in general. Because, like, I mean, as far as success goes, like, the first point, you know, how successful it can be. I mean, even before Pokemon Go, they showed how successful mobile platform can be with, like, uh, Developer King, I think, uh, mm-hmm. it, which is the guy, which are the guys who did Candy Crush. And that made billions of dollars like that became its own little billion dollar industry you know that's yeah, well, angry maybe birds that, before yeah. that too yeah and angry birds was successful you know but these free-to-play games became wildly successful and that's why it's a little investment for high high gain you get a you get million dollar games because they're free to play and they're addictive and they can but maybe not some are not as predatory as others uh some are actually genuinely good quality fun games but they're still free to play and they have this uh, perennial influx of money that just keeps coming in because there's no buying the game and then it's over. You just can always have more coins or more levels or more wins, whatever you're buying, or more Pokeballs because Pokemon Go was a free-to-play game. Uh, those are the you know less interesting, less um, true gaming experiences I've experienced on mobile. I, I have a couple of great mobile games that I love. Uh, but most of them are just ports of other games. Like, I love Hearthstone. Uh, that's Blizzard's uh, card battling experience. Um, and that's great on the phone, especially if you have one of your phablets like I do, of a giant phone. Uh, I loved also little games like, um, uh, I forget, uh, what's it called? It was a little experience. I don't even remember. It's Device 6 or Device 16 or something like that. Some cool it. little n- narrative games. There are a lot of cool little games that make, you know, mobile game of the year lists. Uh, they're very interesting, and they do things that only mobile games can do. And that's interesting to me. Uh, I'd love... I think I would like to see a cool interactive experience where I'm interacting with people 
uh, that's a high quality uh, emotional experience like Journey was. But I want that game company to stay on console. I this is just total conjecture, just from teaser images being in portrait mode instead of landscape. I mean, I could totally just be making this up, but I mean, I hope that they stay on consoles, uh, or maybe they're on consoles and on mobile. Uh, Once again, everyone, mobile, don't listen to us because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. So, no, yeah, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I could, I could throw a little conjecture around every now and then, you know. Oh, I, I thought too. it was interesting. Just made me think about like mobile. As like, should, do I, what developers do I want going to mobile? Do I want my developers, well, my developers, like developers I enjoy on consoles and PC going to mobile? And it's interesting that like, you know, I do still, even though there are some great experiences on mobile, I do still see it as this um, shovelware crap fest that uh, most people see it as in this industry. Yeah, I mean, my, my, uh, you know, my preference is obviously not towards mobile. I spend almost no time mobile gaming because it just doesn't, it just doesn't do a whole lot for me. And I don't ever, I guess I just don't ever find myself in the situation where I'm out and about and I'm sitting somewhere and I'm bored or, or I'm just dying for a video game fix. And my only way of either solving my boredom or my video game fix is to pick up my iPhone. And, you know, dial up some silly ass little game that I've got. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just don't ever find myself in that situation. I would rather, either if I'm bored, I would either prefer to get up and go do something or talk to someone or find an activity to do. Or I would just listen to music on my phone instead of uh, playing a game so well, aren't you the why well, aren't you the deep souled special creature i'd rather listen to music than play some stupid candy crush game <laughs> hey man yeah. candy crush yeah that's 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 pretty bad i mean that's some, that's if some trash, man, I the only mobile game i play is plague incorporated that one's play, fun. play a great game exactly so there right. you go you got you got a game on there great game yeah it's a good game that one will keep me going for a while i've been playing that for, for <laughs> I'd years rather play, i'd rather play music or listen to music or have an interesting conversation oh but plague i'll play hours of plague every day man no Absolutely. no not hours i'm just saying like on the off chance that i'm playing a mobile game it's gonna be plague it's gonna be plague and it'll keep me decently entertained that's what i'm saying yeah that's my thing like, like everyone everyone has their mobile game a lot of gamers they'll say you know like, gamers is an antiquated term at this point we're all gamers but i mean a lot of people who are avid video gamers will say oh, i know but mobile sucks you know i mean i like this game but mobile sucks you know but everyone right. has that game and very often it's not the same game you know so what? that's why I feel bad when I say it's just a you know an inundated shovelware fest. But you know I, I like. But I don't. I don't think games. you should feel bad about that because I think that's just the nature of the beast, right? I mean, when you know nowadays when you know almost anybody who plays video games is going to have a console, maybe maybe more than one console, maybe three consoles. You know, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft. They yep. might even have a PC as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or or a couple of those, or just one of those, but it doesn't really matter what combination they've got. Um, you know, so so mobile really only fills this this small section of your your daily activity and your entertainment. I would imagine for most people, you know, because like if you're at home, you're probably not going to be turning to mobile unless you're sick and bedridden and you don't want to get out of the bed 
and the video game console is in the other room and the mm. only thing you got on you is your phone. I mean, most people, if they're at home, I would imagine they're going to turn to their console or their PC. And if you're out and about, obviously you don't have a choice. You're only going to go to mobile. But if you're out and about, it stands to reason you're probably doing something else. You're driving or you're, you know, you're hanging out with someone or you're, you're engaged in a particular activity that doesn't allow you to use your phone or whatever. So I think it's just the nature of the beast in that mobile fills this small void that um, doesn't represent a large portion of our day. And I think that's why it always ends up as being this sort of a trash vest with diamonds in the rough here and there. Right, right. I mean, I think that really the trash vest just comes from this new model that people, everyone's jumping onto. It's that free-to-play model or pay-to-play model, fee-to-play, as some people would say. Right. And, you know, that's that's the most unfortunate thing about it is that we're potentially quality, talented developers could be running over to that area and uh, trying to make money that way because it's safer and it's easier or even worse, you know, we're just creating a new um, generation of crappy developers who just do the barest minimum to get you a free to play game. Uh, I agree though. I think mobile, mobile gaming is not the primary thing that people are doing, you know, especially if they're on the bout normally, even if they're not engaged in something, if they're on their phone, it's they're on their Facebook or they're on their Twitter or they're on, right. you know, whatever. So obviously it, or they're listening game, to music, Joe, some people they, just uh, listen to you music. Know, yeah, some, some of you hipsters, you crazy kids listening to that music. God damn. Some of these warm get on your considered pondering souls. Just listen to aye, music. Aye, aye. Probably do. Can't deal with it, man. I get back <laughs> to my uh, candy crush. Why don't you tell me what you're playing this week, Joey? What have you been playing? So, finally played Battlefield 1, Mike. Okay. Let me tell now you. Now we're is, talking. Yeah. Let me tell you. You should have told me how great this game was. But you kept it a huge <laughs> oh, secret. Oh, really? You, you, know, you wrote this little review, but I mean, otherwise. No, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I have not played a lot of the single player. Only played just about just the prologue. Uh, but that was by itself uh, pretty intense experience uh, i wouldn't it? say it was a great experience it was a great experience but it was like really surreal like oh okay i know what this yeah. game is about just right off the bat you have this like very short instances of play this character on this side of the battle and then you die and yeah, then you play a character on this other it. side of the battle yeah. and then you die and yeah. and you have this voiceover of like what this war was about and it's like refreshing that one of our bro shooters of the of every year you know our annual first person shooters finally is showing the more darker side of uh of war uh which hasn't happened since like world war ii shooters kind of went out the window right. and even those were kind of lighter because you had this heroic team the allies you know so everything you've said you know the the lines are blurred so that's interesting and the prologue is a great microcosm of that specific uh, theme of this game uh, but i haven't played any more of the single player but i have played some great multiplayer matches and they, yeah wow that is is so much fun i thought i would be cons- I, you know i had talked to you about like it would be daunting to jump in and not know what role to play uh but i've played not a lot uh, of battlefield one multiplayer but what i've played is mostly conquest 
And it's very clear what you do. You know, you spawn right. on your mates or you spawn on a uh, on one of the uh, captured points you have. And you look out for other enemies and you and you kill other guys. And it really feels like a war, like depicted in like Saving Private Ryan or something like that. You know, it feels dirty and it feels uh, scary and it's it's intense and it doesn't feel glorious. And that's awesome. You know, and yeah. The, and the old guns feel really cool. The big maps feel awesome. Uh, I really like it so far. So I'm very glad that you guys pushed so hard. Uh, you and Josh, <laughs> especially. Uh, I, I finally buckled down. I'm playing it on Xbox One. I wish oh, now good, that I've yeah. seen the light of PC that I could play everything on PC, uh, especially shooters. But uh, this cannot run. Uh, Battlefield 1. But uh, I'm playing it on Xbox, and it's great. So it's been a lot of fun so far. I'm excited to play more of the single player too. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I can't say enough good stuff about that game. Yeah. Um, so what I'm playing this week besides Battlefield 1, obviously. Sure. And uh, the occasional Total War Warhammer. Actually, that's not occasional. It's pretty regular too. Um, yeah. I am going to start reviewing uh, a game. And I did actually get approval to say this, so don't worry. Right, right. Um, a platformer called Mechazoo by Mechazoo. another, I think that's how you say it. I, I mean, it's spelled M-E-K-A-Z-O-O. And I'm imagining it's Mechazoo because... Mechazoo sounds good. The animals that you play as, and it's a platformer, the animals that you play in uh, this game as have sort of robotic legs on them. So there's like a robotic oh, pelican, a robotic panda, a robotic wallaby, a robotic frog, and... Wow. Well, actually, now that I'm looking at it, the armadillo does not look robotic. But, um, <laughs> but the other four do. And, Can't um, confirm whether right. we have cyborg armadillo. Have right. to li- read the review to find out more. Yeah. But it's a sweet game. It's like, uh, it's a it's a sort of a throwback 2D platformer that has this really vibrant, colorful background. Um you know, I've liked it so far, and it's a it's a two D platformer. Um, you could kind of say the, and I have seen this written before, a two point five D platformer. Uh, it does this interesting thing sometimes, where the point of view sort of switches instead of going left to right or right to left. It sort of uh, it goes inward, like you know, almost like further into your screen, kind of a thing. And it's really it, it does it very seamlessly. It's it's really quite awesome. I'm. I'm not the biggest platformer, uh, platform. It's hard to say, platformer gamer. I'm not sure. the biggest platformer gamer, but uh, I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. So, okay, yeah, um, cool. That's what I'm working on at the moment, uh, yeah. and that is actually from a local company here in Seattle, and um, they are called kind of in the vein of that game company. And what was it from Software? From these Software. Guys, yeah. yeah, these guys are the good mood creators. Oh, good mood creators. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so that's a cool one. I hope yeah. that's true. I hope that's what they do. Well, so, so far can, it has for me. Yeah, excellent. So. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't like platform. I mean, not that you don't like platformers, just that you don't play as many. Uh, yeah, my platformers are like my uh, my bread and butter. Those are those are my favorite types of games. I like my shooters. Uh, like Halo kind of brought me into the shooter world, uh, and I come in and out of it. You know, I didn't really like Call of Duty stuff, and I only just became a diehard battlefield fan obviously but the the it's the shooters and then mostly the platformers like i grew up on the mario 3 and mario 64 and then other platformers after that uh obviously so the, those are like my uh those are my jam 
And that's um, what it's all about, right? Is it's just like food, you know, like you you have these childhood memories of macaroni and cheese or or whatever your your, or your bread and butter or, your, or, or, jam, or bread, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> you have these you have these childhood memories of the food that is you know it's wrapped in nostalgia for you and you associate all these fun times with it, so you like it. No matter how shitty it is or how bad it is or whatever, well, you, just, you, know, you just like I mean, it throughout yeah, the rest sure. of your life. <laughs> yeah. And and it, but it's the same. I, I'm not saying that platformers, are right, shit. right. Yeah, I'm I do have a disposition that, like, to platformers. Yeah, but you know. Yeah. Um, but my point is that for me, it's just different because I didn't grow up playing platformers. I grew right. up playing like strategy games. So like the original Red Alert, the original Warcraft, like Command and yep, Conquer. Yep all these other things, that's my bread and butter because that's what I grew up playing. And, and platformers didn't really even enter my life other than, you know, other than playing it occasionally at a friend's house if I went over, you know, until I was much older. So mm. it was never, you know, just like, just, that's why I gave the food analogy. Just like, you sure. know, if yeah. you ate mac and cheese as a kid, you'd like it. I didn't. I don't like mac and cheese at all. That's true. You're, I think it's disgusting. You're a crazy person if you don't like yeah. mac and cheese. I think Absolutely. it's disgusting because I didn't, I didn't end up you know, eating it as a kid. Uh, yeah. So it's the same thing with platform. I'm getting a sense of where games, the Seattle whatever. freeze comes from. You know, you guys have a real deficit in mac and cheese that warms your soul. So that's that's probably what happened. Well, I don't mac know, man. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm all alone on that one everywhere I yeah. go. Everybody seems <laughs> like mac and cheese except me. Seattle or no Seattle. Mac and cheese matter. is the bomb, man. Yeah, you're, you yeah. are. You're alone. I'm sorry. But anyway, right. yeah. Well. I, I, lo- I think it's like, it probably ha- it's, has to do with, I guess, platform, you know, like, Platforms now are pretty – there's very little disparity as far as genres and just types of games that are akin to one type of platform, you know? Like maybe real twitchy, fast-paced shooters are still kind of most prolific on uh, PC uh, because of your Counter-Strikes and uh, like Overwatches. While Overwatch is huge, uh, it's just – it's best on PC. Maybe that's just me saying that or like your Half-Life games and Doom – but uh, shooters are still on co- consoles now, and they're the same games, whereas it had to be a little different back in the day. And platformers uh, were this console thing, you know, like on the Atari right. and, on, and on Mario especially, you know, on and Nintendo and stuff like that. So I assume because you played RTSs, which require really mouse and keyboard until you get to games like Halo Wars or whatever, some, you know, pretty good not port, but pretty good adaptation of RTS on console with a gamepad. You know, you had to play P- RTSs on PC. So that's yep. why you were a PC gamer. So you played RTSs and that's your thing. And I was a console player and I played right. platformers. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty interesting that like it started that way. And now it's created these gamers that while we have the same consoles and the same platformers, we are now adjusted to like certain types of games because we started on certain platformers right for certain I, platforms excuse me but anyway. and i think that's why that's why i said the food analogy because i think it's all yep. about what you started with it's all exactly. about your yeah. associations like there's nothing wrong with platformers there's nothing wrong with strategy games or anything else it's just like yeah. your first memories are ingrained forever and that's what seems to influence your taste for for a good portion of your life mm-hmm. um yeah so Let's move on to our last segment, Joe. What's right. do you got a you have a what's trending question for well, us? Do we, we want to do today? it? I feel like now. I mean, while we do this, we'll do very uh, shotgun. What's trending? We're gonna do game of the year so far. I mean, I'm pretty set as far as I'm concerned for what my game of the year is. But there are some games that are still coming out uh, that could contend for that. Uh, I'm kind of in between 
Overwatch and The Witness right now. But I'm pretty sure I'm for The Witness. The Witness was a really, really special experience for me. And I, while Overwatch is such a great experience that will continue for so long, The Witness is something that will stick for, with me as a gamer for, I'm sure, forever. Uh, the only thing that could possibly contend that is Dishonored 2, which is coming up later. Uh, but I mean, wondering, your feelings on either of those games or what game is your game of the year so far? Oh, man. there. You know... <laughs> It's hard It's hard to even answer that question because so many games come out in a given year, you forget. You know, like I'm just thinking, I got to go all the way back to January now and I'm trying to remember what the hell it came out in January right, yeah. and everything. You forget like, how long ago. Yeah. I mean, I loved Homeworld Deserts of Crack, which came out in oh, yeah. January or February, I, somewhere in there. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. XCOM 2 was right in there. I love that game. Oh, wow. Um, XCOM 2 came out, yeah. Total War Warhammer, which I'm still playing, I think came out in March or April. Hitman came out in March or April. Mm-hmm. I, I like the list goes on, but I think out of all those, and I liked all of those. I think even though I've only been playing Battlefield for like three weeks, and I've been playing these other ones for six months or more, I'm still going to go with Battlefield One. Yeah, it's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, I can already tell. Like you, just your disposition for these these war shooters is like it's so strong. That like that's that's gotta be your one because Battlefield one was is so good, like but it's just it's so I would, quality. To be fair, I would have to say Total War Warhammer is like a very close second. It's a, it's sure, a, sure. I'm, man, I am big on the Total War series. I'm huge on the Total War series. So. Yeah, yeah. Call I me mean, crazy. I didn't I didn't mention The Witcher three, which I think came out this year, didn't it? Or no, no, The Witcher year? three was last year. It was, was that like late last huge, year. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was a huge game of the year. Okay, uh, game got it from everywhere. I mean, but the DLC. Well, the expansions uh, continued into this year, right? Uh, okay. Especially um, Blood and Wine, or whatever that is. Uh, I think which that was, was it. very big. Yeah. I not play a lot of Witcher, but I I've heard over and over again that it's the best RPG ever. So, like, I have to try it, or best yeah. Western RPG. So, yeah, I'll definitely try it. Uh, but I'm gonna. Well, I'll we'll get back to the conversation once Dishonored Two comes out. And uh, that's because that's that's definitely how you're holding you're holding your cards close to your chest until uh, until Dishonored 2 comes out. The jury's still out until that one. We'll say jury's still out. Holding my cards close to my chest would suggest that I'm not telling everyone that Dishonored is the greatest game of all time. So there's all that. Inappropriate (laughs) uses of the expression. Pardon me. Sure, sure. But yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. All right, everyone. That's it for today. Thanks for tuning in to the GT Reboot Podcast, episode number 75. As always, I am your co-host, Mike Pierce. You can follow me on my Twitter account at GrumpyGamer. That's Grumpy with two R's. And my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Joey DeClara. You can follow him at his Twitter account at JoeyDagoBonuts. That's Bag of Donuts with the D and the B switched. So D A G O B O N U T S. And that's it for us, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Go play some games. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs>